how we evaluate whether or not we are being successful with every Sunday service, with youth camp, with small groups, with everything that we do. This is what we've kind of pulled from Scripture. It's not our idea. It's what we've pulled from Scripture. We are to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. That's what we're about. And as we turn to the Scripture tonight, that's also what we're here to do. So, we have been focused on Psalm 23 Um, And if you need a Bible, we've got extras, and we'd be happy to put one in your hand. So if you'll just raise your hand, and uh, we can get somebody to get one to you. Uh, There's there's one right behind you there, and we will be happy to put one in your hands. All right. Everyone hear me okay? Without the microphone, this room's very alive. In the way back, way back machine, y'all can hear me all right? Okay. Okay. So we've been focused on Psalm 23. Um, God, my shepherd... In Psalm 23, one of the most famous songs in all of human history, um, would be uh, something that a lot of people would know. And uh, the main thought that we're kind of pulling away from this song is, when the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. How many of you would like some rest? Right? Right? Uh, summer is typically a time where a lot of us rest. In agricultural society, it was not. It was the, the time when the hardest work, the longest days uh, were. Uh, but for us, now in kind of our current culture, it's a time when a lot of us rest. And you may or may not be aware of it, but God had the idea of rest. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. And He instituted the principle of the Sabbath which is where we spend a day to worship and rest. That's the idea. And now with our new 5 p.m. time, you can sleep in in the morning, have a restful day, and then come in for church. So it's important that we have a balance in our lives of work, worship, rest, and play. That's how we're created. We are, each of us, created to have a balance of those activities. Work, worship, rest, and play. And that's, that's important. Let's turn to the psalm. I'm going to put it on the screen for your benefit. First in the King James that most of us would be familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this song was written by David. David was, as a young boy, the youngest of several brothers that was a shepherding family. They kept sheep. That was a part of their livelihood, how they paid the bills. And as the youngest brother, he would have been the one that probably for the longest amount of years was responsible for taking care of sheep. And in fact, the care of sheep is woven into the story of his life. But that's not when he wrote this song from the perspective of the sheep following the shepherd. In fact, 
he wrote this song later in life after he had messed up, after he had made mistakes, after God had restored him and forgiven him, after he had gone through having a bad boss who was literally trying to kill him, after he had been at the peak of his life as king of the nation, um, and, and at one point the wealthiest man the most powerful man in the area, the BMOC. And then what had happened was one of his sons had begun to stab him in the back and pull support away from him and betrayed him and chased him out of the capital city. And he's on the run. And when he writes this song, he's on the run again in his life, fearing for his life. But it's in that place where he writes a song of reflection, of thinking about his life and how it has gone and how God has been good to him. It's the satisfied customer song. It is the I, it is well with my soul song. So let's look at it again and we read from the New Living, a faithful translation in modern street English, if you will. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside the peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name, which is where we left off last week. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So let's go to the fourth verse, our our focus tonight. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I remember the first time, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, When I was young, my parents, we took a vacation. We lived on the West Coast and we went across the actual Death Valley. And and when we went across Death Valley in the United States, it was 120 degrees. And I remember it very distinctly. It's like hard to breathe. And so when I read this psalm or heard this psalm for the first time, that's what I thought about. Oh, yay, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But actually, that's not what's really going on in this psalm. So I'm going to kind of bring your attention to the lyrics of the song. And you may or may not have noticed that there's a change at this point of the verse. At the beginning, he's describing what life is like because God is his shepherd as a sheep. But at this point in the song, he changes it and starts to speak directly to God. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will not fear, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. So why why this shift? Why this shift in a a more intimate language in the song? I'm really glad you asked. So with shepherds, we've been talking about their habits and their patterns and kind of how they take care of sheep and stuff. And this is actually a relevant point at this point Um, of the song. What would be typical for shepherds in David's part of the world was as summer starts to come, 
the vegetation, the grass, the little shrubs and stuff that the sheep would eat are soon going to start to die because of the heat. Okay? And what a responsible shepherd will have done is to have scouted out a pathway up into the hills, up into elevation where the temperatures are cooler and where there's more moisture and where there's different vegetation that's not already been eaten all up. We talked last week about how the shepherd would rotate where he would feed them and bring them onto new ground. But this is a seasonal thing where in the heat of the summer, one time a year, the shepherd is going to lead them up valleys. See, mountains, if you ever have been to the zoo or different places, you've seen the watershed effect and the way a watershed works. If you follow a valley up a mountain, it's actually the gentlest grade or the easiest climb up the mountain. The valley is actually the most comfortable, the safest, the gentlest way to climb the mountain to a better place. And so, when a shepherd is going to lead, what that means is that they're no longer sleeping at the ranch. They're no longer sleeping in their normal pens, their normal places where they're protected. Now they're going to take an expedition. Their sheep are going on adventure. The sheep are going on adventure and they're, they're adventuring out in a way from their normal place of sleep, their normal place of rest. Now what this means is that this is a time of year where they're around the shepherd 24-7. It's a more intimate time with the shepherd. It's a time where they should hear the shepherd's voice, see the shepherd's silhouette at all times. As opposed to when they are normally at the ranch, they'd be brought in to sleep, and then the shepherd's going to his home to be with his family. As the shepherd leads them through the valley, it is to go up the mountain to a better place for their benefit. The valley is also a well-watered place. As you climb a mountain through the valley, what happens is, and living in Oregon, I've experienced, having grown up in Oregon, um, I've experienced this firsthand. Um, you, when the snow melts on the mountain up beyond the Alpine line, uh, you know what the Alpine line is? Uh, there is a line on every mountain where because of the elevation, trees can no longer grow. Okay? So you climb a mountain to a certain point and there's no more trees. And way past the alpine line is where a lot of times you will find snow. And in some cases, in the case of a mountain just an hour and a half from my home, um, my house where I grew up, um, an 11,000 foot peak, there'd be snow year round. It could be 100 degrees down in the, in, uh, the valley, in the city where we lived, but there'd be snow up on the mountain an hour and a half away. And so what can happen is that that snow will melt and that snow melt creates the coldest most pure, most refreshing, especially if it's not below a ski lodge, the most refreshing, cold, pure water that you can find anywhere around. And so, you, I will not fear, you are with me. This is very specific language describing how a shepherd would care for his sheep. Now, a valley is also a place where they can be ambushed by predators. It is also a place where there could be a flash flood, where there there are dangers that do not exist back at ranch life. Okay? So 
The valley of the shadow of death, or the darkest valley, is also relevant because the higher you go, the more that the mountains are going to rise on either side of you, and it becomes trees, trees, no trees, hills. And so compared to being out on the ranch, it is also physically darker. Are you getting a picture? So, now, Death Valley, that picture that I had as a kid, there is some relevance there. Because David is clearly also talking about the darkest times of our life. He is talking about when life has not gone our way. And he's literally, the valley of the shadow of death, he's literally talking about when we are in danger of death. And when is it that he's writing this song? When he is in danger of death. His son is trying to hunt him down and kill him so that he could be the king. Now for many in our church, this has been the most difficult year of your life. You are entering or have just exited or are in the middle of your darkest valley. So this is relevant, right? What does the song say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I will not fear. Now this is not a stiff upper lip kind of gangster rap song. (laughs) I'm right and I'm tight, yo. I did that for Chiquetta. She's not even here. (laughs) This is, that's not the kind of song that it is. And, and, and I, I want to hear David sing this song when I go to heaven. I was, come on, David, play the hits. I know you played it a bajillion times, but I'm here now. I want to hear you sing it because don't you know that he would sing it with feeling? with emotion, with the melody that he wrote it with. With the memory of the pain. I mean, he, lost, he lost a firstborn child. He'd been betrayed. He's under threat of death. He's going through the darkest time of his life. Imagine what it's like to be betrayed by your son who's now trying to kill you. He's going through some rough days. There's a reason he says, I will not fear. What's the reason? Because the good shepherd is close beside me. I will not fear, for you are with me. God sends his son, the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb who would come and live a life tempted as we have been tempted, yet without sin, to be pure, that he could be the sacrifice of our sins, that we could know new life, that we could be forgiven of our sins. And what is his name? God with us. That's what his name means. God with us. Jesus was betrayed. 
Jesus suffered loss. Jesus saw death. Jesus saw some healed and some not. Even when I walk through my darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. Honestly, if, if the only benefit you get out of being a part of our church is that deep in your guts, in your spirit, and in your heart, you get a little bit more of this God is with me, I'm good. Because what I want more than anything else is for you to be closer to Him. He's the only one who will never fail you. The only one who will never leave you. The only one who will never betray you. God with us. I got to get that in my spirit. I got to get a faith statement, a power word, a positive confession on the inside of me. My reasonable response to the verifiable fact that God is with me. In my best days, it will keep me humble because I can't take credit for the best. On the mediocre, boring, middle-of-the-road days, it keeps me grounded, motivated, happy. And when I walk through the darkest valley, it is my source of strength. Honestly, some of you have suffered in the last 12 months in ways that I have not suffered. And so I really hesitate to talk about any of my own experiences today. I've been really kind of going back and forth about that because I've been through some dark valley. I suffered sexual abuse as a kid. I've suffered death. I've seen friends locked up and die. I've seen teenagers die in front of me. I have had a death threat. I've I've been laid off jobs. I've found myself... <laughs> kind of a funny story, actually. <laughs> Took Rebecca on a trip for her college roommate's wedding. And, and uh, I didn't get her permission to tell us, but it doesn't matter. My screw-up. And maxed out the credit card so we could go. And we ran out of money, and I didn't know how we were going to get back to the airport. <laughs> newly married, and I'm sitting on a curb... Trying to hide from her, going, what am I going to do? <laughs> For some reason, that came to mind. <laughs> I honestly don't remember how we got to the airport. <laughs> I, was thinking about it this, I was thinking about it this morning. I, I don't know. We did. <laughs> I've suffered and I've struggled and I've gone through dark days. And so I have felt some of what you have felt. I've been pretty brutally betrayed. I've been unjustly fired. We lost a pregnancy. I've gone through some dark days. And I can tell you this. When I didn't reach out for God, it got darker. And I can tell you this, 
that when I walked through the darkest valley and I grabbed a hold of my Savior, my anchor of hope, it was all better. It was all better. The one thing that's so hard when you're going through a difficult time is to realize that you are an eternal, supernatural, spiritual being having a temporary, natural experience. That was really good. I'm going to say it again. You are an eternal, spiritual being having a temporary, natural experience. You see, one day... Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We'll be in heaven or we'll be in hell. It's simple. It's it's really that simple. When I reach out to God, when I walk through the darkest times of my life, I find the one true source of strength. A God who is with us. A God who is close beside us. A God who did not save us staying in the heavenlies. But a God who came down in the muck with us and lived this life, who knows, who knows what we're going through. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, even when I walk through the dark, come on somebody, you got to get it in your system. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear, for you are with me. One of the best things we can do for each other every week, even if you don't know anything about what the other person is going through, is to send somebody a text, a call, a face-to-face and say, God is with you. We know of whom we're speaking, right? A God overflowing with love. A God forgiving sin, transgression, and iniquity. A God who, who, who is unfailing, limitless love, peace, joy. That's who we're talking about, right? So I've got to get into my system a statement that says, God, this seems tough. But I believe it will prove to be the best way to higher ground. Are you, are you tracking what I'm saying? I've got to get that in our system. God, this seems tough, but I believe it will prove to be the best way to higher ground. And I want to point out something very important in this turn of phrase. Even though I walk through... I'm about to have a Pentecostal moment here. Come on, somebody. Not when I end. See, death is not an end, it's a transition. For some, it is a graduation into heaven. 
But death can, in our emotions, set in as a dead end, and that is not God's will. Death is a transition from physically being alive here on this earth to being in eternity. And so even when I walk through the dark, through, I want you to remember this this week. I want you to get this into your system. The song does not say, even God, when you lead me to stay in the darkest valley. Does it say that? No. It says, even when I walk through. Right? Through. You are an eternal spiritual being having a temporary natural experience. You are walking through. Yesterday, my father was at the funeral of one of our closest friends who passed away after a long battle with ALS. A pastor probably about 50 years old in southern Oregon. He has walked through. We gotta, it is helpful to at some point stop and think, what's the worst that can happen? Because God is there too. God's there and he's at the best, right? He's not overly focused on your past. He wants to bring healing and change. He's really concerned about your now and about your future, right? So when God leads us, he leads us through. Now we're getting it. Okay, now, in the valley I will not be afraid for you are with me. Now, your rod and your staff, you comfort and protect me. Now, I want to, I want to, let's come back to the shepherd a little bit. A shepherd would have a rod and a staff, and this language is very specific to specific tools. The rod, symbolic in the scripture of God's word, the scripture, okay? But a rod was a shorter, uh, thicker stick normally taken from a young tree where they would cut off at the root ball and so it'd be kind of a stick maybe about that long and kind of have a ball of wood at the end okay that's a pretty typical shepherd's rod and the shepherd's rod would be used for a couple of different purposes okay shepherd's rod would be used to protect them from predators okay wow right (laughs) kung fu good shepherd right Hong Kong Fooey, my favorite cartoon as a kid. Anyone remember Hong Kong Fooey? Anybody? All right, yes. I'm dating myself. So the shepherd would be have kung fu powers with this stick. And in fact, in particular, Mideast shepherds to this day use this practice and they throw the thing almost like a javelin with incredible accuracy and can protect their sheep. Hit coyotes and foxes that will kill sheep are actually not very big animals, even though they're, they're fierce. Uh, it, it, they're not as big as sheep, okay? Especially when sheep are woolly. So the shepherd would have a rod to protect them. Do you know that even in your darkest valley, even when you have suffered loss, that God has been there protecting you? We won't know until we get the, to heaven and we get the DVD of our life, hopefully with some scenes deleted, and we get to go back. Am I the only one that thinks that way? Okay. We will never know. We get the DVD of our life. I, I'm going to be there watching this stuff, all right? 
I'll watch yours too. You get your popcorn ready, right? So when we see the DVD of our life, if you read the Old Testament, the prophets will see when their eyes were open and all of a sudden they saw what God was doing, you're going to find out sometimes that God was protecting you. I've broken both my arms twice, and the first time I was uh, barely seven years old, and I was sliding down a banister, a handrail of a second-story entrance, uh, exit of a building outdoors, and I, I jumped up to slide down the banister and fell to the ground and from, from a second story to the ground and landed on the ground. And, and, you know, totally blacked out. One of my concussions, uh, the, the excuses will follow. And, and so when I looked this way, out of the ground, right here next to my head, there was a brick sticking point out right there. Now, I don't know. I'm waiting to see the DVD. But it's possible that my poor guardian angel was like, <laughs> like because that brick would have killed me. We don't know what God has protected us from. And in whatever state I am in, it's my reasonable response to thank God that I'm sucking oxygen. Right? The attitude of gratitude. So that the rod protects us. And the sheep, are, we're grateful for their protection. And don't you know that David protected his sheep, right? Remember the story? Killed a lion and a bear. Right? Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, the scarecrow would have been freaking out. Right? So David knew what it was to be protected. We should take some peace in the fact that we are protected. Right? Now, a rod is also used to discipline the sheep. Now, sheep have a tendency to eat whatever they see. And that could include things that are poisonous. And so sometimes what a Mideast... Preteen shepherd will do is throw the rod to give the sheep a but that's poisonous, don't eat that. So another form of God's protection is protecting us from something that is a danger to us. That could be thoughts and emotions as well. Anyone remember the story when Jesus is in the desert and Jesus is being tempted by the devil? What does he do? He quotes scripture. God's Word is alive and active, and you can use it to defend yourself. Pastor James of the Jerusalem Church wrote, Resist the devil, and he will flee. The Word of God in me will defend me. It is one of God's tools in defending me. It is a comfort and a protection. Now, some of us have also lived long enough to get one of God's spankings. God can forgive us of sin, but allow consequences in our life as a way to say, hey, I tried being gentle. I tried giving you preventive medicine. I tried giving you my word. I tried giving you the spiritual guidance of others. You ignored all that. You went out there and you still, oops, I did it again. And so God says, okay, if you're not going to learn with preventive medicine, I forgive you. I will make you clean. But there is consequences. Open up your Bible. It's in there. Okay? 
So there are times when God will bring discipline, allow things to happen in our life that can serve as a discipline, as a reminder of us, I shouldn't do that. Our bodies are wired with a sense of touch. If you touch a stove, right, it's hot, right? And then if you get a burn, you're not going to do that again. Do you know, I, I, I've known people that have parented kids that have the medical condition where they don't have, they can't feel pain. That's a really vicious condition. It's bad. Pain is a service to us. Are you with me? So your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. So the rod would bring protection against predators, but it would also bring discipline. Now the staff is very different. And the staff in the scripture is actually a symbol of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit guiding us, God's spirit loving us. And it's definitely a symbol of comfort. And so I want to walk you through that a little bit. You may or may not be able to pick out, it's kind of weird the way it's sitting in that picture, uh, in the white Jesus picture, as Chiquetta called it. Uh, the, 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 long, the, long, the long stick with the crook with the crook at the end, the hook, if you will. Uh, you may have seen pictures before where it almost looks like a, a musical, what's the, not the bass, but the treble clef? Almost like a treble clef kind of curve. So a shepherd's staff is going to be a long, straight stick with a curve at the end, okay? And it's got multiple, it's got multiple purposes, okay? Uh, let's just talk through just a few. One, um, sheep will tend to have their babies at the same time. And if you've got a big flock, it gets confusing. And what can happen is if a lamb, a new lamb gets separated from its mother, a lamb can die out of exposure, predators, whatever. And so what a shepherd will do, if a shepherd comes and he puts his hand on the lamb at too early an age, the mother will reject it because it smells people. Okay, And so what the shepherd will do is he will use his staff to gently pick up the lamb and move it back to the mother, bringing a restoration to relationships. The Holy Spirit can bring about restoration in relationships. So that's, that's one way. Another way that we've heard stories about is when a sheep, which is not particularly a smart animal, through its cravings and looking for something to eat, will like fall. Fall over an edge on a rocky edge of a path and be unable to climb back up to walk with the rest of the sheep. And so the shepherd will take the staff, long stick with the hook at the end, and pick the sheep up and bring the sheep back to safety. Sometimes what happens in our lives and certainly has been the case in my life and in the case of some of my friends in my life, is that not Scripture, not the church, not another believer, but the Holy Spirit Himself can come and speak to us even when we are in our darkest place and rescue us. This happened to me when I was 16. We don't have time for the whole story now. But a very clear moment. I, I lived near, uh, just on the edge of the city limits, a cliff that was 150 feet straight down of rock. 
And at 16 years old, I was sneaking out of the house about four nights a week at least, being out all hours, running with friends, doing all kinds of stuff, not getting caught for criminal activity, among other things. And I had seen, I'd been in some life and death situations. I had a friend who was in jail, and I had some of my own stuff that was just piling up on top of me. And um, I came to a place, and this, it was not unusual for me to be standing at this edge of this cliff looking out. I know it sounds really weird, but if you saw where I grew up, you'd, you'd understand. I'm standing at this cliff, coming to this realization, for the past few years, I had been trying to make myself happy, and it was not working. I had done everything else, and it was not working. And I came to this sudden realization that if God wasn't real, my life wasn't worth living. It was very real to me at 16. And then I realized I'm standing at this cliff. I mean, one step and it's over. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit, and literally almost like the shepherd's staff, pulled me back from the edge. I, to this day, cannot accredit it to anything but God, that first step back, and I turned, and I started to walk the streets, and I said, okay, God, I will give you, in my arrogance as a 16-year-old, I will give you a chance. And I can tell you something. And we can get to heaven and play the DVD of my life and you can judge me on this. From that day to this, I have talked to God every day. From that day on the edge of the cliff to this, I have chased God every day. Some of you look at me as a pastor, so that's why I'm weird like that. It's really not true. It's because of that. It's because from that day, that middle of the night when I was 16 in the summer, from that day to this, I've chased God every day because I already tried it my own way. And I already came to a place of realizing that if God wasn't real, life wasn't worth living. And so if God is the only way for life to be worth living, I'm kind of an all or nothing person. Ask my surgeon, he'll tell you. That's the first thing he said when I woke up out of anesthesia. You don't do anything halfway. God has a way with his shepherd's staff of pulling us back. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. The shepherd's staff would also be used gently to lean sheep on these mountain paths towards the safe path. And with certain pet sheep, if you will, Shepherds are known to stand with the the staff just ever so gently in physical contact of one sheep. The sheep likes it, prefers it. It's a way for the sheep to know that the shepherd is close. God the Holy Spirit can help you know that He's close. That He is God with us. The Word and the Holy Spirit Jesus talked about it in the Scripture. Great, great word studies of balancing. Mercy and truth. Spirit and word. Those things are linked. Jesus often talks about them as being linked. Mercy, truth, spirit, word. 
deep study in the Scripture. That is the way that God, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear, for God is with me. His rod and His staff, His word and His spirit comfort me, protect me. Let me submit to you this. If you are neglecting your relationship, your personal relationship with God, by neglecting prayer and the Scripture, you are separating yourself from Him. We have personal interaction with God. We follow Him as our shepherd through prayer and the Word. That's how it works. Out of seeking Him, following Him, every day I should be able to ask myself, am I following Him? And there should be a very simple yes or no. And if I'm truly seeking Him, I want to get to know Him. If I'm following Him as opposed to living my life asking Him to follow me. Did you get that? It's a really big difference. God, follow me, follow me. I'm going this way. No. The Lord is my shepherd. If I have a personal relationship with Him, I interact with Him through prayer, through the Scripture, His presence is then real to me. And so on my good days, on the middle of the road days, and on the darkest days, I can say, I will not fear, for He is with me. His rod and His staff comfort Protect me. God cares about you. He created you with design. He's got purpose for your life. A close personal relationship with God is really important. And when I have people come to me on a regular basis with issues, it's bringing them to God because God is so faithful to bring us rest. I don't get stressed or anxious about it because I know that if we'll just draw close to Him, He will give us rest. Will you come play, Chris? Will you stand with me, please?